Thank you for listening to the Finally Quit Porn Podcast. My name is Thomas Molyneux and I am here to share my own journey of quitting porn and a lot of tips, advice, stories and really interesting guests who have their own perspectives on how to quit porn for good. If you would like further support, go and check out thomasmolyneux.com where you can find more resources. So thanks a lot for listening. Let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Finally Quit Porn Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mary Paulus. Thank you for coming on the show again, Mary. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a few things. And I think one thing which I really struggled with in the past was feeling slightly hypocritical for not being able to really quit porn when I was trying to coach other people. And that was something that I really found challenging. Mary, do you want to get into sharing all of this really with us? Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. And I don't know how many of your listeners know that the things that I've taught you for dealing with porn, I deal with all compulsive and addictive behaviors. I mean, I started my work with nicotine addiction and I've gotten deep, deep into food compulsion and, and gambling and, and drugs and alcohol all any any compulsion or any behavior that people can't stop doing basically but during about 17 years of of me doing this work i was um well i've done it for 30 plus years as you know but 17 years of that i was involved in a relationship that was what i would call compulsive i would call it addictive And as you know, I mean, there's relationships are very, very prone to compulsion and addiction. And that's actually kind of normalized, you know, like, oh, if you really, really want to be with this person, it's all meant to be and all this kind of crap. And I got more involved with this person or continue to be involved with this person because, because of some of those things, oh, meant to be and all the stars aligned and all that kind of crap, you know, and I had met him. 17 years, who was 17 and 17, 17 years prior, I had met him. And we didn't, we didn't get involved then because I had met my husband, my ex-husband in the meantime, I got married, I had my son and all that jazz. And, um, and then after I got divorced, I met him again. And it was, I was, uh, I went on a dating site and I had 50 responses in one day. And he was the only one that I wanted to respond to and then ended up involved with him for 17 years. And it was on and off. And I knew there were problems and I knew I I probably should be getting out, but it was addictive. And obviously you understand addiction with your porn stuff, you know, but throughout that time, I felt hypocritical because I was actually helping people get out of destructive relationships. And I was, wasn't able to apply it to myself. Although I have to say, I, I was able to apply it to myself because the way this all came about and the way it ended, I know that if I didn't have the methodology that I have in my own methodology, and if I hadn't applied that to my old life throughout this process, we had a few breakups and whatever. I can say for certain that I would either have some kind of addiction, you know, whatever, it's going to be alcohol, food, whatever, you know, or 
I would probably have gone to therapy and been diagnosed mentally ill. And they'd probably have me on antidepressants, anti-anxiety, all that stuff, which I never had to do any of that. Or I'd probably be dead. Like literally this, it was bad news. And to kind of fast forward on that, basically I got through it all those years and I was in a position that I was ready to end it. And he was, I don't know that he was porn addicted, maybe, but he was definitely sex addicted and he was gaming. He was playing one of the, what do they call them, morphs, the multi multiplayer online reality games where you're involved with a bunch of other people online. It's basically an alternate reality, right? All the time, like not sleeping 24-7. And he, oh, I hope we stay connected. You see my lights? Yeah, they're flashing. The way, yeah. We're having a we're having a big snowstorm in Portland, FYI. So and it's crazy winds. So we're hoping that everything stays connected for this rest of this lovely story. So um he ended up killing himself. And this was this was um it'll be two years in April, so it's about a year and a half ago. He he basically was in so deep in all of these addictions, unbeknownst to everybody in his life, including me, there was basically a house of cards that he had built of deceit and lies. And he was incredibly brilliant. And, but he, he was damaged from such a young age that basically would have been diagnosed sociopath, which a sociopath is able to basically chameleon into any situation. And, and that's what he did. And he was so brilliant that he was lying to everybody around him. And I found out all this stuff after he killed himself when I was able to connect with his one of his sons, his twin sons, connected with his sons and found out, you know, all the stuff that was really going on in his life. His son thought that we had split up in 2014, which we did, but we got back together. So then it was like almost 10 years that his son didn't know we were together and he um he shot himself in his in in the heart in his bathtub so it's you know don't take addiction lightly you know he was sex addicted and the gaming addicted and had all kinds of trauma from his childhood and basically he he just couldn't deal with it anymore and it was and he was i think he was at a point that he just couldn't hide this this second life anymore to the point that he he just couldn't he couldn't do it anymore. So he so that was about about a year and a half ago. So everything, all the work that I did during this whole entire process, based on what I teach other people, really I think saved my life, you know, and kept me sane. And here I am, you know, a year and a half later. I don't have addictions. I don't have, you know, I'm just. I could process things in a way that are basically healthy and and understand, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, how to deal with it. You know, people underestimate addictions when I look at him and what he was going through. And but there was a lot of time throughout all those years that he was able to kind of feign normal, you know, like he would talk about all the stuff from his childhood and. And so I thought, okay, he's starting to come to terms and he's dealing. And, and I thought, you know, I can be here for him and I can help him and whatever. But that really wasn't the case. You know, it was just so far gone. And 
was probably from the time that he was very young because his mom revealed to me after it happened that there's a good chance that he was sexually abused um, by his father. So it was it was a very, very long, sad thing. But kind of the point being that relationships can be extremely compelling and extremely destructive. But I know how many people are out there. I, I, and throughout that relationship, I looked at a lot of YouTubes about narcissism and and sociopaths and psych, all that stuff. You know, it's very popular. There's I mean, there's some YouTube people that have thousands and thousands of followers and everyone's watching the YouTubes trying to find a solution to getting out of these relationships, you know, and everything I looked at, there was no how to do it. You know, I'm always preaching the how to, right? Yeah. So I applied my own stuff and then, and then I got out of, you know, when did you get out of that relationship? Well, I got out of it a few times during the 17 years, but then of course, when he killed himself, that was, you know, I mean, there was, that was the end. I was in, I was with him when he, not with him physically, but we were still in a relationship with Such a, such a horrible thing for you to have to go through. How have you been coping since that happened? Well, I've been actually, because the relationship was so tumultuous and, you know, interestingly, because we talked uh, in our, in our, in the training that you're going to be sharing with people um, and other things about, you know, this slipping, whatever, you know, when I would get back with him or allow him back into my life was that intermittent reinforcement, right? So I would get in deeper and get it, you know, harder and harder to get out. And they also call it trauma bonding, which is a real thing, you know? So I, I was, I was just kept working toward getting out. And then, and then when he killed himself, I didn't, I didn't have to get out. I mean, I was out and I, and you know, it sounds really, um, probably cold, but I would say the number one feeling that I had on top of, you know, shock, I never thought he would do that. You know, I knew there were issues, but I never thought he would do that. But, um, you know, it was very sad for him and for his family, for his kids and everything. And I was very shocked and I went through all of that. But did but, you feel relief as well? That's, I was just going to say it. The number one overall feeling was relief, mm. you know. And then I actually, I saw another, um, it's a documentary about this woman. It's called The Perfect Husband. And she went through a very, very similar situation. But the guy actually ended up um, getting involved with a student and ended up going to prison. So then she got into his, um, she was able to get into his email. And saw that it was like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of contacts on a daily basis with different women. And I thought, you know, my ex, my dead ex, he, I'm certain if I could have got into his stuff that it would have found all the same stuff, you know, but luck and for me again, relief because he's just gone. You know, there's nothing for me to question or think about or wonder about him. You know, he's just he's just gone. And he he took all of his electronic equipment and wiped everything completely clean and put things back in the original packages. I mean, mm. fucked up. Tom. So, yeah, anyway. But so for me to be able to say that's that's my story and. I still can very effectively help people get out of destructive relationships, even even what, what I learned through the whole thing. And talk yeah. about junky thinking, which we talk about all the time, right? Mm. A stack of papers like this, you know, where I would write when I was hard from him, where I would 
write down the junkie thinking, trying to convince me to go back. Um, and I did a lot of work. And now I feel so clear and I feel better than I've ever felt. And I don't have a relationship and I don't even really care if I ever have another relationship. I have, I like my life. I like what I do. I like, you know, my friends and, you know, it's, it's not really something that I'm really looking for, but not in a way that it's that helplessness of like, you know, relationship anorexia, right? Where I'm going to, I'm not going near a relationship again, because if I do, it's going to be all fucked up. No, it's like, I don't feel like that. I mean, yeah, maybe some guy's going to fall from the sky and he's going to be perfect. And what, you know, I'm open. I'm open yeah. to that. And I would know how to, because I've taught other people how to not get into the wrong relationship, you know, using the script. And so I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm good. And I wrote the prologue to Dirty John after, after I saw that, that woman with the, that, that last documentary, I'm like, you know, admit, you know, it's hard to admit what you've been through. Um, but at the same time, be able to really help people because a lot of times people want you to have been through what they're going through. Right. So it's uh more believable or something. I don't know, but yeah, so I'm, I'm good. So during, during the, the relationship, how did you sort of feel about the compulsive behavior addicted side of the relationship? I've never really heard of a relationship being addictive before, but were you like aware that you were in an addicted relationship 100%. then? 100%. Well, and that was more like years ago before I started applying what I teach, you know, yeah. to myself where I would, I really literally, we would get into a fight and he would withdraw from me, which he did often, you know, cause he couldn't really deal with his emotions in any way. Um, I would chase him down. I would go, we're going to talk, you know, I, I'd drive across town because I never lived with him or anything. Thank God. Um, but I would drive across town and insist we're going to talk about this. And it would just be these horrible fights and it was just awful. But then I got to the point where I wrote myself a script, right? It's like, yeah, you know what? You can go, you can go chase them down. Here's, you got a choice to make right here, right? Yeah. I got better and better. And then um, started processing it and, you know, on a regular basis. And then COVID hit. So we were, we didn't see each other as much during that time. He got COVID really bad. And it was just, you know, how COVID was. And, um, and then my dad got sick and my son and I flew back to Wisconsin and we, we, um, we were driving down to Milwaukee to have dinner with my nephew. Um, and the entire drive was like two hours. We talked the entire time about my relationship and how that, you know, that it was time to end it. And that was kind of the plan. But then it was very shortly after I, it, that was in February. And then shortly after I got back, he, he, he commits suicide on April 6th. So it was like a couple months later that, you know, yeah, it didn't, I didn't have to make a decision at that point. I didn't, but I could, but I could still do the work because the other thing is that how much I could have like thought about all of it and, you know, my mind could just like take over with it. And it, that didn't have to happen either because, because of the work, you know, because I've done the work and, and so I feel really at peace with all of it. You know, I feel, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for, you know, because he basically was never matured past about around age 11, you know, and it's uh and it's, it's a bad cycle that so many people, I mean, 
where the abuse just continues, you know, and yeah. um, and when you're that damaged, you're so, he was like so genuine that, because I could be like, oh God, I'm so stupid. How did I not see it? Whatever. Well, he was so genuinely, his, all these personas that he could fool anybody and everybody. It wasn't just me. So, and then to see like this documentary, I saw the perfect husband, you know, this guy had fooled literally everybody around him you know so so i don't i don't want any of that and i don't have any obsessive thinking about it i just am like well that was that was a learning experience in my life and and i love my life so i think i know your work works it's worked for me and i can't see that changing anytime soon I, i don't think you'll ever change um because it's so concise it's so simple it's so efficient it's so just straight to the point and there's no loopholes in the work that you've you've done, which is really, really valuable. But I do also think there is something here about shame. I think shame and addiction, there's there's a lot going on there. And it sounds yeah. like for your ex, he was living in shame all the time. And, yes. and so he had to find all kinds of outlets to get away from those emotions. And because he yeah. hadn't done the work, he hadn't got a script, he wouldn't. Oh. You know, he didn't actually have a different way to approach that addiction. I think I think shame can start off a lot of addictions, and and then it can keep you trapped um, in in that shame, and and it's one of the worst emotions. I mean, as I've said before, I do a lot of work helping people who are suicidal, and yeah. shame is definitely one of the feelings that comes up a lot. They might not say it directly because I don't think people are ever really aware they're in shame. Because when you're in shame, certain parts of the brain basically switch off like the rational part of the brain the rational you know prefrontal cortex it's barely active when you're really in that shame where you feel like there's something wrong with you and you're like disconnected from the world so it gets you to tap into that because it's you know like you say it's it's wants to turn off right yeah yeah Yeah. and that's the good thing about the script i suppose is that it helps you see that if you continue on this path you're just going to feel more shame whereas you can be liberated and healed and feel better like there is two choices yeah. So, yeah, you've always got that. But no, I'm just feeling a bit shocked at the moment because obviously I wasn't expecting to hear this today. I feel like it's quite a significant life event. Um, must have been really hard for you. And I know you said, you know, you felt relieved, but at the same time, it's still like 17 years of ups and downs in a relationship. I imagine that was quite challenging. And then also for it to go about and end in that way is is just sad so yeah i'm a bit taken aback uh to be truly honest i just feel for you you know thank you thank you i appreciate that you know i don't talk about it that much because it's so intense you know but the other thing i think that has happened for me is that now that that's gone um i feel a lot more clear about maybe some of the old emotions that you know i've talked about it like once you are free of an addictive behavior, you can get really clear on on some of the emotions and things, maybe emotional issues you had from when you were younger that drive addiction, right? Yeah. That, ha- that contribute to addiction, you know, they don't drive it exclusively, but they contribute to creating the addictive behaviors, right? So I feel really clear about, you know, what things might have set me up for this. And um, also you know, just that it doesn't have to drive me anymore. I feel really, really free about making a choice um, 
if I ever want to look for like actual love again in my life, you know, or yeah, I just, I feel really, I feel really clear. I don't feel like I have anything to prove. I don't feel like I'm driven by any of the old stuff anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? It all came very clear to me sitting with this, you know, this, it's not comfortable to sit and think about it. Obviously, you know that at this yeah. point, but um, I think overall it's been very grossful. Yeah. Mm. So like I say, you know, it's only been a year and a half or whatever, but I feel so much better than I did when I was in that and trying to figure out what I was going to do, you know, because uh, you remember you, I said that you were, you mentioned in one of your podcasts thinking, you're always thinking, how am I going to quit porn? How am I going to quit porn? How am I going to quit porn? And just, just that thought being free now that you've done it, being free of that thought is so awesome. You don't realize yeah. how much, oh, how am I going to quit this? How am I going to quit this? How am I going to quit this? Now you don't have to think that. You use your script in the moment. And how many times, how much mental energy I've spent over all those years, how am I going to, I'm going to end this. How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to, you know? And now to not have to even think about that is very freeing and, and it's illuminating, you know, on so many levels that it's, you know, for him and his family, it's horrible. But for me, it's ended up to be a positive. Sounds cold, but it's true, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think becoming free from any addiction is one of the best things anyone can ever go through. Actually, on my meditation course I was doing recently in person, there was a guy there who was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. And he had just freed himself up and gone through like some whole kind of I don't know, some kind of reboot program or whatever. And yeah, he was like the happiest guy at the meditation sector, which I found kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of my one of my cocaine addicts, he was funny. He was dealing, he was and he was using a, a lot of cocaine. And he was funny. He was here uh pers- in person for sessions and he says to me, he's like, You're like the last Jedi, man. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't really know what the last Jedi was, but he explained it. So it ended up being a good thing, right? But I, but he's successfully um, stopped using. So that's good. Yeah. Um, can we, while we still have some time, I want to touch more on you talked about the shame. And, you know, without getting into the specifics of the script again, as usual, um, being able to realize that there's nothing wrong with you because you have these desires. Right. So being able to get into the not want to run and get into the right neural pathway is, you know, can be challenging because of the shame around it. You just want to be like, no, if I feel this way, I'm ashamed of it. Right. Yeah. It's a good starting place to accept that you want to engage in that behavior. I I won't say the exact words of the script, (laughs) but, you know, you you want to engage in that like addictive behavior and that's okay or something along those lines. Like literally, we are all uh, susceptible to addiction, especially in our society, like we talked about now with the internet, how everything's just in your face. It's setting people up for addiction. Uh, there's no moral judgment. We'll repeat that over and over. There's, you know, the thing is, is yeah, you can feel the shame, but if you acknowledge it, then you're going to be able to get into the right pathway. And I'm um, just quickly too. It's uh. And I wouldn't get too far off, but I've always wanted to work with domestic violence where mm. um, these these people that, you know, they they learn to be assholes like from their father or whatever. And then and then they so don't want to admit 
it's so hard for them to get into the pathway that they actually do want to do it. You know, that part of them wants to be an asshole. So it's really hard for them to get free, you know, because there's there's shame around that, too. So it doesn't have to be a roadblock. You know, mm-hmm. to be able to change that pathway when you can acknowledge the shame, you know, at, at where everything else is going to try to teach you, oh, deal with the shame. But it's that's only just one piece is being able to acknowledge the shame so that it doesn't keep you from, you know, moving forward, yeah. being able yeah. to change the pathway. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again for sharing your story with us today, Mary. Yeah. I hope that people can actually, actually realize as well, like, how how bad a situation you can end up if you do get addicted to something um so yeah that you know in 2024 let's all just try to sort this shit out because it's it's pretty um let's work it out let's get it out there yeah it's important and all right so thanks a lot for listening to the podcast and yeah we'll see you in the next one